1: You're listening to Text Message, the UK-focused technology podcast with me, Nate Langson, and the Cambridge to my Analytica, Mr Ian Morris. Hello, good morning, or afternoon,
0: or whatever you're listening to this, I'm ill.
1: Ian, unfortunately, has got the actual flu and has made a Herculean effort to drag himself from <laughs> his bed in front of his computer to uh, to help discuss some uh, tech news this week. And this show is, of course, brought to you by you. Thank you to our patrons supporting us every week at patreon.com forward slash UK tech. If you're a patron, this is your extended ad free version of this week's show. Not yet a Patreon, but would like to get our ad-free versions, our extended cut with extra stories, live streaming access, and of course access to our 24-7 Discord members club, which is a lot of fun to hang out with in through the week. Head to patreon.com forward slash uktech. Find out how you can support us for as little as one or two dollars per episode with no commitment. We're talking about the price of a couple of coffees. A month um, to support us directly and get our longer ad-free versions. Now, I did, I do need to mention our ad-free versions because we announced it a few months ago, and it's, um, the 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 fact that there were going to be ads in the free version of the show. Um, not necessarily, it's fair to say, of our choosing. But at the end of the day, the show has thousands of listeners, and someone's got to pay for that bandwidth um, and hosting and, and whatnot. And our publisher um said that they needed to enable advertising on our free version because we're too popular to just be freely hosted um uh, which is why those of you listening on our free feed will hear ads um at the beginning and end possibly a mid-roll it's sort of out of our hands in terms of uh, what ads appear there but we're promised that they'll be relevant um but we did have somebody tweet us this week, uh, which I read as quite an angry tweet because it had three ex- uh, question marks at the end of it about what's happening with the adverts now appearing in your show. Uh, asked, do we even get these if you're a Patreon member? No, you don't. The ads are only in the free version. The Patreon version, you're supporting us um, directly. And so there are no ads and the show's is longer. And, I didn't read uh, that
0: as particularly angry, to be honest. I think that sometimes people are just confused because we've always made such a fuss about it being ad free um (coughs) (coughs) excuse me we've always made such a fuss about it being ad free that when ads come along people are like what i didn't i thought they said it was ad free and i completely understand that and i'll personally explain that to anyone who asks um was within reason obviously um but yeah you know we've got to do it right unfortunately yes we we do and and we don't we
1: don't really mind because at the end of the day the show is popular and and somebody is footing the bill for it um yeah for, for people who um, who are supporting us without money in, in other ways, which we appreciate just as much, you know, the reviews that you leave and the emails you send to us and the fact that you tell your friends and family and colleagues and enemies and what have you that's um, that's just as supportive to us because that helps the show stay alive and, and gain new listeners, so we don't mind which you have, but if you don't want ads and you want a longer show each week um, with more tangents from Ian and I, then um, then you can go Patreon, support us that way listen live and things like that, and if you prefer um, to listen to ads and aren't able or don't want to support financially then that's great too you know we don't see a distinction between the two as, as far as preference goes but we just thought it was worth putting another kind of milestone in the show here to explain now that those ads have actually started yes. so uh, and also we should point out those ads aren't endorsements at all we have nothing to do with what ads appear there that's all done by a sales team it's taken care of so you know you're just as likely to hear us probably slag off any of these companies that appear before and after the show because it is completely separate. That is the way it will always be, uh, and I will shut the show down before I personally endorse anything yes. that we're paid to say. And, and so would Ian, I'm sure.
0: It's worth pointing out as well that we don't. We, there's no way for us to know what ad will be on the show because it's done live at the time you download it, isn't it? So, um, yeah, it's, we we can't. We couldn't tell you even if we even if they told us
1: yes exactly it's it's dynamically done i mean it's actually quite clever on a technical level the way that it's the way that it's done but it it does mean that if you go back and listen to an old show before the ads were sort of enabled you'll actually find that they have ads in them and that works very well for us because it it does mean that the back catalogue can remain financially viable to be supported and continue to be hosted as opposed to a publisher only wanting to publish the the episodes that have ads in them so it it, it is worth it and and we hope that you'll stick with us despite the ads and understand why they're there but obviously you have a a range of options now of how to support us well we can't really ignore the multiple elephants in the room Uh this week which is the Cambridge Analytica slash Facebook.
0: I was going to say saga. It's much more of a scandal. Um, It is a scandal. I don't think that lots of things are scandals. I think that people get very upset very easily um, these days, but this is a scandal. Mm. Scandal, of course, also the name of a pretty entertaining
1: Japanese all-female pop group that I was listening to a few days ago. I did not know that. Well, now you do. Go and listen to them. Now, We aren't going to go into gigantic detail about the story as a whole because it has been done to death over this week, Uh, but I have been, most of my entire week in my day job at Bloomberg has been spent reporting on this, covering it, editing stories about it, uh, going on TV to talk about it, so I thought that it is worth at least summarising enough of what's happened in order for us to be able to talk about what the, the UK impact is, so... In 2014, an American researcher called Alexander Kogan was gathering profile information of Facebook users along with what they had chosen to like, about 270,000 Facebook users, that is, who used an app which was presented in the form of a personality survey. Uh, And through this, Kogan had collected data not just about those 270,000 users, but also about their friends as well, as long as they had settings in place to allow that, which at the time meant that about 50 million people, the data of 50 million people, could be taken by this app. And Facebook's terms and conditions did permit this at the time. Facebook said that Kogan was deceptive by saying that he was gathering the data for research purposes and violated the company's policies by passing the data to Cambridge Analytica. He disputes this. Now, Cambridge Analytica itself uses data to reach voters uh, with hyper-targeted messaging, which is done on Facebook, and uh, it may have wanted the data to create these kind of psychological um, profiles that could then be used to target voters during political campaigns, because it believed that the profiles, things they liked and and what have you, were better indicators of of how somebody may or may not um, be able to be swayed through targeted advertising. Now, Cambridge Analytica denied it used any of these kind of modelling uh, tools during its work on the US presidential campaign in 2016. But a bigger issue here. Uh, at home is that we have laws to ban the sale of personal data without consent and that's part of the big problem here that this data was sold now facebook ceo mark zuckerberg has said that the company would inform every user that may have had their personal data compromised and he did this as part of an apology this week he also pledged to investigate whether cambridge analytica still holds information it obtained from the third party app creator which cambridge analytica has permitted to happen uh, and broaden the probe into whether other developers may have broken facebook rules it's also going to restrict the amount of data that developers have access to from users as well as remove that access if a user doesn't interact with those developers services in three months and he said they'll change the design of the facebook newsfeed to show a tool that makes it clearer what apps have access to what data you shared and let you revoke that permission uh, more easily but Zuckerberg and the company were, were criticised quite heavily for staying silent on the issue for several days before revealing its views. All the while, the media globally was demanding answers, and politicians were demanding hearings. Um, and the company had largely, in its uh, in its apology letter, pointed the finger at outside entities um, for much of the problem, and cited the the, the researcher who initially scraped this data um, quite. Heavily throughout this apology. And it did this rather than vowing to review and improve what some analysts have called a systemic problem within the business in how it handles data privacy. Though Facebook has obviously said it's going to do more, it's taken out full page ads here in the UK, in a bunch of newspapers, as well as in the US. And this is where the UK, I think, really comes in because our politicians are now considering action and the next steps for the UK, obviously, is what we're going to be summarising today. Now, one of the first things that happened this week in Britain is that Damien Collins, who's the chair of the Digital Culture, Media and, Select, uh, and Sports Select Committee within our government, formally requested Zuckerberg appear before the committee to give evidence about how the company managed to fail so badly with its data protection. Around the same time, an ex-employee of Facebook, a guy called Sandy Paragas, Achilles appeared before the same committee to give evidence Uh, and he said he warned facebook that its data protection methods were lax as far back as 2011 but was ignored and as a related note actually just today of recording the sunday telegraph um, has published a report that said that facebook was also warned that its users were at risk um, two years before the data of these people were accessed um, by the european regulator, which had cautioned it um, for failing to ensure that the data was protected when being passed to third party developers. That's something that only came out a few hours ago earlier today. Uh, so this this gentleman, Sandy Parikhilis, and I, I was covering his parliamentary hearing uh, this week for for Bloomberg. Um, he said, I made a map of the various data vulnerabilities of the play- Facebook platform, he said. Uh, he also said, I included lists of bad actors and potential bad actors and said, here's some of the things these people could be doing and here's what's at risk. He was then asked by the committee if any of those executives were still at the company, the ones that he'd warned, and he said that they were, but he declined to name them in public. He did say he would follow up, though, with the committee with those names. Um, He also said that he didn't think Mark Zuckerberg himself would have specifically been aware of what he'd said and the warnings that he'd given. Separately, though, Zuckerberg said after uh, it was suggested by, I think, countless individuals in the US that he should appear before Congress in the States, um, that he would appear if he was the most appropriate person to do so. I mean, of course he's the most appropriate, with the other exception of their chief operating officer, Sheryl Sandberg, who else but the CEO of the company is more, uh, more appropriate to speak before you know, parliamentary committees and Congress to answer for... You know the kind of failing that's wiped ten percent of the value of this company uh, off the stock market in the last week. Like it's it's got to be him, and I think it's fair to assume as well that his response would be the same about appearing before British politicians if formally demanded, which of course he has been, although he hasn't accepted that demand um, as far as we believe at the moment. Now, meanwhile, the UK's Information Commissioner's Office obtained a search warrant to raid Cambridge Analytica's offices, which it did over the weekend, ending in the very early hours of Saturday. Probably too late to begin that search, but I suppose better late. The never. never. And uh, it said the ICO said we will now need to assess and consider the evidence before deciding the next steps and coming to any conclusions. This is one part of a larger investigation by the ICO into the use of personal data and analytics by political campaigns, parties, social media companies and other commercial actors. Uh, the ICO is leading the probe with the backing of the European Union's other 27 Regulators within the bloc, um, who this week also vowed to collaborate to get to the bottom of what they called a very serious allegation with far-reaching consequences, and of course, this more widely is tied into an ongoing investigation into things like fake news and Russian meddling in in elections and, and other alleged interferences by state actors using social media and the web. So that's what that brings us up to today. Facebook's apologized. Lawmakers here in the UK have demanded Facebook appear before them to give evidence. One ex-employee of Facebook has already appeared to give evidence um, that says the company was warned. The ICO has raided this company's offices here in Britain. They've now got evidence and are reviewing it. And that's sort of as far as we've got today. Now, that ends my little massive monologue uh, here Ian, I don't think we need to go back and forth discussing this in extensive detail, but give me your views on. Let's let's put Facebook itself to one side. Let's talk about the British impact here. What do you think this necessarily means for Britain? What do you think we need to do as a country, as a nation, to to sort of push back and prevent this from happening again?
0: This is this is difficult because it, um, we were already protected against this allegedly, right? So you 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 said in your um in your words then that um you know this is already illegal you're not allowed to use data in this way um and that but that hasn't stopped anyone from doing it um and that gives me great concern and i, I know um obviously gdpr is coming that will have an impact i'm sure um will certainly be per- perhaps more able to see um what's going what's happening with our data Um, But I know that you can actually do a a request from Cambridge Analytica uh, to find out what they hold on you, but you have to pay £10. Now, that immediately puts that outside of the pockets of some people. Um, You know, Facebook is essentially a free service. Um, I'm sure it's used by people who um, financially aren't well off because it's a great way of, you know, keeping in contact. Lots of free apps that offer lots of uh, fun and, you know, ways to communicate with friends and family. So uh, it, it concerns me greatly um, and it also, again, we come back to this time and time again with uh, with modern companies. I mean, I'm sure that there's there was plenty of scandal in, you know, old, you know, oil firms and all that kind of stuff. But there is a there is a distinct lack of morality sometimes in tech. Um, and that's because it moves at such a pace. We've come from, you know, Facebook is what? A bit over 10 years old. or So let's say 15 years old. Um and it's one of the biggest companies in the world. It's got a huge market capitalization. It's worth an enormous amount of money. Um, but there is there is seemingly because it's grown so quickly, they struggle so hard to understand what it is that they their responsibilities to users. Um, and there are legal responsibilities to users, particularly in countries like the UK and, and a lot of Europe. Um, but it doesn't seem to it doesn't seem to matter to them. This was not something that they um, you know it's quite obvious that this was going to be a problem. Um, the amount of apps that people... when I mean, you see it all the time on your timeline, you know, people uh, putting up game invites and all that kind of stuff, and you just think, you know, do you know what's happening there? Now, I didn't. I had no idea, really. Um, it doesn't surprise me at all that there were apps that were used very specifically to data mine individuals. Um, and we believe now that that was used to some extent. And again, there's not a huge amount of proof, but we certainly feel like Facebook was a part of... The winning of the Trump campaign and Brexit um, all had a part, um, you know, and and so essentially that 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 there are that's troubling because we a lot of the arguments uh, you know around both Trump and Brexit were that this is democracy, Um, you know we are if if we're going to have democracy sometimes the result isn't going to be to our taste and that's fine. But of course, we do sort of expect that democracy will be sort of fair. I don't know why we expect that, because actually there's no sort of suggestion that it will be. Well, the other um, the other side of that is that, I mean, there, there have been reports just today that the
1: Leave campaign had funneled money through a separate organisation in order to overspend on its... It's permitted spending as part of that campaign, so I mean these these sorts of gray areas happen outside of just social media as
0: well and we saw that we saw that with the general election as well. we We know that um political parties and I don't you know we we could go deeply down into the politics, but we don't want to do that, but um wh- however you voted, it is distasteful to think that um that vote was won at least in part by. Um, trickery and, uh, and 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 I think one of the most important things one of the key things about it was that um that what they're doing isn't um you know they're not they're not taking out adverts and saying uh vote brexit because it will make your life better they're taking the things that scare us as people you know the things that really matter to us our families you know um our incomes the kind of um you know the the, the things that really Uh, are easy to manipulate people over and they're using those to make sure that we, uh, you know, vote a certain way, if you see what I mean. So it's actually a little bit more insidious than just taking out an ad. And I know when Facebook looked into Russian influence in uh, advertising, it said, no, the Russians didn't take out any ads. And I'm like, and then this comes along and we think, well, actually, you know, it doesn't matter if they didn't take out ads this is this is enough isn't it it's it, it's almost like a more clever version of advertising and a version of advertising that we are even people like you and me are perhaps not immune to being influenced by I think it's
1: probably fair to point out that although it's been implied that Cambridge Analytica had used this data specifically to swing election results that's not been proven to be the case no. what we what we what we know is that it used profiling and it had used data but it did not as far as we know at the moment it did not use directly take that data and use it to target ads for or or against any political entity and i think that's that's you know a key thing to point out but the other thing that i I wanted to pick up on is because you mentioned gdpr you know the new data protection regulation going into force on may the 25th here in europe and in a sense this has been very perfect timing for for this to come out because I saw one report in a in a publication here in Britain that it sort of described it almost as the as the movie trailer to GDPR. And yeah, that, I and mean, that's
0: actually a really good point, isn't it? Because um, what we've got here is exactly is, is exactly the advertising that we needed for GDPR to say, guys, you know this is a real problem, and you need to be on, you know, you need to be aware of what the what those issues are and have control over your data
1: because gdpr as a thing is incredibly important but equally incredibly boring and incredibly oh, so complex boring. and and difficult but this sort of shows you if you ever wanted an example of why should i care about gdpr well it's because of this because this is this is the result of consent between uh, sort of consent and control between the an individual and a publisher or a social media being blurred to the point that no one really knows exactly how their data is being used and that is exactly what gdpr GDPR exists to do, to to, to try and uh, battle. And, you know, they can face some massive fines. say they, companies in general, may face massive fines with GDPR. You know, the first fine, I think, is up to 2% of their... Uh, global annual turnover for the previous financial year and on the second offense it's four percent of their global turnover so if you're making you know 10 billion dollars a year in in or more than that if you're making ten billion dollars a quarter in in uh, in in revenue you're making you know forty odd billion dollars a year four percent of that for a fine is a hell of a lot of money and facebook's lost you know I think I think I saw the figure 50 billion in terms of its market cap yeah, shaved off as a result also, of this. So.
0: I, sort of, um, I wonder, though, um, is this just going to be seen as part of the cost of doing business? Are companies going to go, ah, well, you know, we're going to get fined?
1: No, I don't think so. I mean, th- there's two ways to look at that. And this is a bit of a tangent, I suppose, into GDPR. But, you know, companies over a certain size, it's not a very large size, um, which means, you know, the majority of companies that we talk about on the show are affected. You know, they have to have data, comp- data sort of protection officers, you know, people and some companies, massive companies with thousands and thousands of employees, you know, they have like over 100 people working to make sure they're they're compliant with GDPR because they know how risky it is to to get it wrong. They know the kind of impact it can have. I mean, you look at Facebook's share price being hit so much by this happening this week. That's the result of, you know, massive public and political outcry when it gets shown how data can be abused. And the companies need to avoid that the other thing is is that you know when you say sort of it's like a it's part of the cost of doing business you could compare it in a way with that question to how newspapers magazines and and you know political pages will they'll fold in libel costs and copyright violation bills because it's cheaper and faster for them to run something that gets them in trouble and then pay a fine for getting in trouble and and more places than you might think do it like that especially with with photography as well you know sort of stuff is nicked and then paid for afterwards because it's
0: it's you know they'll get more sales by using it and it's it's kind of all the time i mean not not quite to that extent but i have images stolen um all the time i've uh, turned it into a source of income But if you have any views on what's been happening with Cambridge Analytica, Facebook, GDPR,
1: of course, you are very welcome to send in your thoughts and insights or questions as well to hello at techpodcast.uk. We're going to be keeping our eye on this over the coming weeks, of course. I'm basically neck deep in reporting on it anyway at Bloomberg. So if you do have any thoughts or ideas um, for questions that we could be answering on the show, please do let us know. Ian, let's take things down a little bit. Let's let's calm down. Let's put GDPR and Cambridge Analytica to, to one side in little Pandora's boxes from which they came, and talk instead about FM radio. A favourite of ours, isn't it, Chief?
0: It. Yes, absolutely.
1: Yes. I love a bit of FM. mate. Yeah, can't help his frequency modulate our way through the afternoons here at Text Message. Now, the BBC says basically that it wants to keep FM radio for the for, for the foreseeable future, rather than switch off. And move entirely over to digital, according to, uh, well, the BBC this week. Antis director of radio and music, called Bob Shannon, said that audiences want choice. He said we need to do more in the UK before we consider a switchover and for that to be genuinely led by the audience. And this was something he said in a conference in Vienna. He continued, we are fully committed to digital and we believe we should review the landscape again in a few years time. Now, the government is due to undertake a review of FM and DAB uh, later this spring. In fact, once digital listeners make up 50 percent of consumers, a figure that's actually nearly been reached now. So we're almost at half and half. Uh, The one big advantage of DAB, of course, is that there's actually a lot more space for stations because it takes less uh, data as, as part of the spectrum in order to to send stuff out uh, than fm does which is massively overcrowded at the moment uh, yeah. but dab obviously is um is still patchy in some areas it's not brilliant uh, on all roads in all parts of the uk well, it's absolutely got terrible
0: in built-up areas like all you know very um, with high buildings my goodness um, and it's just, it just reminds you about how good fm is really
1: yeah exactly and we you know car radio is one of the 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 best ways to experience the benefit of an FM radio versus DAB because, you know, it's simple. It doesn't take much power. And, and it even if the signal cuts out a bit, it's still listenable too. Whereas d- when DAB starts getting interference, you really do hear it a lot more significantly than the FM equivalent. But this all said, I haven't used FM radio in a very, very long time. I, I listen to streams online. I like listening to Japanese radio, actually. Um, yes, it's it's quite a fun thing to and also I'll say
0: this right so I've got this uh, I've got this wonderful name system that I use um, for my you know it, it does all the audio for my PC um, and it has, built into it, high-resolution audio um, from the BBC. So, you know, BBC has those HLS Apple streams. Um, oh, the high-quality ones, yeah. Yeah, they're, so they're 320 kilobits per second AAC, so they, they sound phenomenal. They do, um, yeah. And, you know, and so, I, obviously, for, from a DAB perspective, this was always the problem. DAB was, it was never bad, but the quality of it um, was, was an issue. It's not as good as FM. And the problem is, it will never be, because there's nothing really they can do to improve the standard. So it's not like, you know, uh, the, the, there's nothing you can do to make MPEG-1. What is it? MPEG-1 Layer 2 or something. Layer it's, 2. It's, it's yeah. ancient. Well, yeah, it's yeah. like 20 years old. There is nothing you can do to make that efficient, that codec efficient. If you were to allocate that space again now and use AAC, you could have CD quality in less space and it would sound phenomenal. Um and but I do was... actually
1: believe that the newer versions of Dab, yeah, Dab does class. use AAC dab yeah. plus yeah it uses AAC plus i, I guess i it? guess
0: the point is that we'll move on and soon every radio will be a, will be dab plus and then we can switch the whole thing over but this is this is the same problem we have time and time again with you know digital tv it's it's like new systems come along and we can't switch over to them because it can't you, you invalidate the boxes um and that, there's just nothing you can do about that you cannot make a set top box that's powerful enough to foresee what's going to happen in the future. You could probably do a better stab at it than we have done. Like, we knew H.265 was coming for a really long time. So, we perhaps could have built boxes that would have allowed H.265, that would have allowed HD boxes to do 4K, say. Um, but ultimately, it's a pipe dream. It's never going to happen. And- I
1: think it's, I I think it's a bit like quitting smoking, as in how the government's trying to phase it out, is that you have to do it in slow, baby steps and you have to move some people on and, it, and it'll phase out over quite a long period of time i mean we're already at the 50 50 part point for dab and, and fm and a lot of people use digital uh you know use streaming i mean this is like this is uh what steven and, and richard have been saying in in the discord while i've been recording i mean steven still has an fm radio aerial installed on his roof and and richard and who lives commitment. in a fair R- shout yeah. i mean
0: that's that's really going the whole hog
1: and Richard, who lives in a very remote part of Northern Ireland, um, says that DAB is incredibly poor around him. He says he'd be, you'd be lucky if it works 10% over his local area. And so a lot of them have to listen using an app and mobile data to listen to their digital-only
0: stations. Yeah, and also, I mean, we've we've spoken, at, we, I, I don't know about you, I've spoken at great length to Richard about the, the quality of internet access in the area as well. And, you know, it t- it basically ties you up, doesn't it? You know, you, you're in a position where you've got no options other than FM, because... The <laughs> internet isn't good enough really dab isn't good enough really it's just it becomes very frustrating also well Richard love... says in
1: the chat room as well he <laughs> says in response to our idea that we have to phase everything out he's like no you don't do it like Apple just turn it off remove it and embrace the future that only works when you're a gigantic uh, publicly traded company and not a publicly funded company yes. uh, for whom uh, it is something of a lifeline to the outside world for the elderly yeah. and, and, uh, and the
0: BBC can't already can't get anything well can't, can't do any right by in the eyes of the public from what I've seen recently. Um, so this is just another thing that they can't misstep on. Really, they um, did it
1: fairly successfully with BBC
0: Three, though. Let's say because actually well, more people were watching that online anyway, so they I killed like, the broadcast know, and left it to yeah, iPlayer. But I don't, I don't agree necessarily with that. BBC Three was a, a really important um, station, uh, it, it, because the thing about BBC Three was that, that is an underserved market. It's it's a young audience that doesn't really get a lot of love. Um, and it was a way to reach people who the BBC traditionally does not reach. Um, and that's um, that's sad in a way. I mean, I get that they're online, but again, you know, online costs money. And, and it's easy for us, you know, in our middle classes to forget that, you know, that's just something we're happy to pay for. Um, you know, my broadband bill is staggering frankly if you you know if you to tell some some groups of society how much I pay for broadband they'd think I've lost my mind
1: well if you've got any views on uh, on this of course do let us know hello at techpodcast.uk or tweet us your thoughts at text message pod Well, lastly, before we finish up, we wanted to touch on the fact that Britain is still going to push ahead with tests of self driving cars on public roads despite mounting public concern over safety after a pedestrian was very sadly killed by one in the US. And this is according to The Guardian this week. The country's biggest car maker, that's Jaguar Land Rover has been experimenting with autonomous cars on roads in the Midlands and is set to demonstrate more of the car's features, including an emergency braking, uh, braking warning system on streets This week, Uh, as well as this, government uh, backed trials using small autonomous vehicles in South London are due to end on Friday or were uh, did end on Friday uh, with organisers reporting widespread public unease about the implications for road safety and cybersecurity, according to the paper. Now, U.S. government safety investigators uh, were sent to examine the crash site of the self-driving Uber vehicle, uh, which the company Uber, that is, has also suspended its test fleets of self-driving cars across the U.S., and Canada but it but it seems like we're still pushing ahead and and in yeah. my head this is to me this compares a little bit like how if a plane crashes planes still carry on taking off yeah I mean it's just on a radically different scale
0: I the thing is if you've you so you you've seen the video presumably of the Uber crash uh
1: yes I, I fortunately I saw a video where they cut they, it right? they freeze framed so, yeah, it yeah. the moment before impact yeah
0: it's unpleasant and, and oh it's, that, it's p- yeah pedestrian was it would they have a a bicycle was i that, think it was a bicycle or yeah. something yeah so um for me i i was um you you can see how an accident like that would um would defeat a, a a normal driver right so that it um if you base it on what i saw in that video you would not see that pedestrian and, oh god no and, and, that, and that and you would therefore crash into them so arguably it is no more Um, it is no more dangerous to have a self-driving car. Now what I was confused by was releasing that video but actually not having any information about the other sensors on the car. So for example, um, there are other ways of detecting people, LiDAR um, and other camera based systems that for example the Bosch produce um, and those are the ones found in the Tesla. But for me it's, um, I don't think that a normal driver would have been able to prevent that accident anyway. So it isn't It doesn't. I mean, there's no. There's only crass ways to put this. Uh, That person was probably going to die anyway, um, given given the conditions. And I can't. I can't suggest that that would be enough of a reason to get rid of self-driving car tests, especially because in the long term, self-driving cars will be less dangerous to pedestrians than human-driven cars there's kind of an exponential benefit of having these cars on the road when they can talk to
1: each other. And, yeah. you know, they, they need to examine road conditions as well. You know, wet roads, they need to measure, you know, air temperature and, and pressure and all these things that can have subtle but compound effects
0: on uh, on stopping times and, and visibility. Yeah. And, 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 and Stephen Huxtable was saying there in the in the chat that, that LIDAR would have seen it and Uber's software is to blame. And I, I, I don't know enough about it, but I'm inclined to say, I think that's probably there's something very odd going on. That, what, well, the car had lidar, so the car that crashed into this per, into this individual did have
1: lidar, and it and and this is exactly what you know lidar is supposed to pick up. Yeah, it's supposed to see this. So it, and it didn't. It it failed. Okay, and experts fine. have 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 looked at this and and said you know that this isn't you know this is basically a demonstration of what these vehicles are supposed to be able to do better. Like you and I can watch this video, see this crash, and think, well, you know goodness we wouldn't be able to see that like it, it was like yeah. a split second you'd have hit them even if it hadn't been fatal it would have been life-changingly uh, catastrophic for that individual but it had but, lidar and uh, that's yeah, what and also, it's supposed to do
0: well what i was surprised by why why do those cars not also have infrared like to, so you can see uh, through dark because there's, there's that mercedes have had that tech um that uh, enables you to sort of look at the the, the the dashboard and you get a an IR camera that might have helped with this. Again, you know, I I just don't understand how, how it was able to, with all those sensors, not able to see the pedestrian. But, I, you know, I'm not going to blame Uber. I think that that pedestrian uh, was a goner no matter who was driving or what was driving. I
1: would agree. But I think the other thing that we need to think about is that LiDAR has a range, right? And the issue here is that i i agree i i don't think any amount realistically any amount of currently used technology could possibly have seen that individual but additional technology wider beams some kind of infrastructure along the roads that that supports these technologies maybe with those this could have been presented by this technology but even if lidar had detected it the speed the car was going the the Proximity to the individual was, you know, it was so close and so fast that even yeah. if it's detected, it like you can't just halt a car at sixty no, miles no, an no, hour there, or something. Like physics, it, right? It, it, it does physics, and it it would have, it would have skidded, it would have impacted. That's why we have stopping distances, and why you yeah. extend them when the road's wet or icy. So I still don't believe that it necessarily, even if all the technology had have worked, whether that could have stopped a fatal accident. Um, yeah. But, but but uh, you know, while as incredibly sad as it is that somebody died as a result of this testing, yeah. you know, this was always going to happen. And at the moment, something like 90% or over 90% of all fatal car accidents, if not all car accidents entirely, are caused by human error. And, you know, you have to sort of push past this in order to make the technology better otherwise as you know it was suggested sort of in the in the chat room that the first time a car killed somebody we'd have all gone back to horses and carts you know which admittedly would have probably been better for the environment but
0: no did you horses were really ruining london though it was it was a real problem horse excrement was causing problems in london that were Significant, and cars were considered cleaner than horses because there were so but, many horses. And but also, they didn't cause you know too. choking smog in Hong Kong, though. No, they didn't. But they did cause they do, you you don't misunderstand mis- oh, don't underestimate the power of methane as a as a you know a problem gas. Methane, you're in the thane. <laughs> 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 the reason we wanted to talk
1: about this is because I think it is important as an industry for us to you know accept that. The, this will happen, and no matter how good this tech gets, it will happen. You know, we have some of the most incredible technology in planes. They can still technically crash. You know, you can have the most powerful computer in the world, and some software bug will run it into the ground or brick it. You know, this can happen, but we, I think we have to we have to push forward, and I'm glad that we're still doing these tests in the UK. But it would be very interesting to hear everyone else's views on this in the audience listening about, you know, how they would, treat something like this what they think uber should do the industry should do regulators should do um and and, and let us know at hello at techpodcast.uk. uk well we had one email come in over the last few days been a little bit quiet i think because we've had uh, a bit of disruption over the last few weeks what with my honeymoon and um ian's sickness and, and various other uh, things so um we got one here interesting one it was uh, headlined uh, subject lined with the word porn and it comes from tom uh, he says hello it's not the answer incidentally we're talking about this in response to the story about the online age checks um it, that have been delayed being put in place uh, in britain for uh, commercial pornography sites tom says hello Is the answer not to create a separate age verification body or website that can send an age verification code once registered to be inputted in order to purchase or view anything that involves being over 18 online? This could be video games, as you mentioned, alcohol, knives, cigarettes, film purchases, or streaming. I'm thinking of something similar to the code you get sent on your Apple products for verification or banking codes. So he's referring to the the two-factor authentication there, um, which which is wider than than just Apple, of course. Um, By having a more overarching body for verification any leaks wouldn't show what you were signing up for specifically just that you were signing up for something the codes would need to be non-traceable naturally but i'm sure that's possible and i have to say tom i think this is a superb superb idea absolutely superb genuinely i think it should be pitched as a way around this because it removes a huge part of the problem of having to enter personally identifiable details into a website that you don't necessarily want being able to track you or you know by accident leak you know if, if all porn sites had to be commercially verified by you know some sign up or credit card details I, I think a lot of people would avoid signing up and that was the subject of our discussion um last last uh, last week but doing this where you just sign up to a kind of you know we've all had those uh identification cards it's an online thing and it's got a a code and it's done as like a OAuth thing like if like a facebook login does or a google or twitter login you know when you see those options on a website and you log in with with that it verifies i think that would be a tremendously good idea not without pitfalls i'm sure and i'm, I'm sure someone listening will come up with a great reason why it wouldn't work but it i think ne- it's, it
0: doesn't negate the fact that the whole thing's pointless in the first place
1: Let's move beyond that because <laughs> I, I agree to a very large extent. But it's if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Not
0: going to stop kids from watching porn. Just not going to happen, is it? so
1: mm, plausible deni- deniability is wonderful in Parliament, though. Yes, true. Yes, and we've I,
0: stopped all under eighteen-year-olds from <laughs> seeing porn. Yeah.
1: Um, so, Tom, no, great idea, really great idea. And welcome, welcome other ideas as well. But I think that of all the things that I've read online, I genuinely think that's probably the best and most interesting. Um, way of getting around this, um, with the benefit being that technically it could work for outside of um, the UK as well. You know, if, if it was kind of done where other countries or other regions accepted verification via such a service, then that might really help verify your identity overseas. I think it's a great idea. Anyway, that's uh, a great email to to have in the show this week, but you can send other great emails for us on hello at techpodcast.com. UK. Before we check out, let's check in with Tom Merritt of Daily Tech News Show. Tom, what's been going on globally? This week, Hey, thanks. This week on DTNS, we dig into what actually happened with Facebook and Cambridge Analytica. There's a lot of misinformation swirling around out there. Followed the details around the tragic death of a woman hit by one of Uber's autonomous cars. Discussed what Europe's new privacy laws, the GDPR, might mean, even if you're not in Europe. Talked soft robots with Dr. Kiki. Asked whether big tech companies should get broken up. And evaluated a VPN with Hack5's Shannon Morse. All that and much more at DailyTechNewsShow.com. Ah, yes, GDPR, the uh, super fun EU-wide th- thing we talked about in depth earlier. Um, yes, it, it, and it, if 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 Ian and I's conversation hasn't helped inspire you to believe that this is a big deal, I do recommend giving that episode of DTNS uh, this week a listen, uh, because, it, of course, you can expect other conversations about this to extend over the coming months, sadly.
0: Well, it, it's interesting to hear the non-European perspective on GDPR isn't it because obviously, well yeah it is a european thing and those those mostly american tech companies are going to be responsible for um implementing it yeah exactly and that's why it's such an interesting
1: issue because it's it sort of on the face of it you sort of think it's the eu gdpr it's europe it's for european companies it's not it's to protect european citizens um yeah. but it affects global companies and that's why the fines are global annual turnover uh, revenue not um not european well thank you to everybody supporting us at patreon or leaving us reviews. As we've said before now, it's up to you how you support us, and we're grateful for any way, whether that's telling friends and leaving reviews on iTunes, or supporting us on Patreon in order to get our extended cuts, our outtakes, um, and our uh, live streaming and going ad-free and, and what have you. This week, we had a, a fantastic discussion, I think, about uh, Jimmy Irvine, who had suggested that all the music streaming companies in the world were too similar uh, because it all cost the same. And we've hypothesized a, a range of ways that we think these services could diversify uh, in order to benefit not only the competitive landscape, but also the music industry and bands as well. So that's on our extended version this week amongst uh, some other... Uh, extra extended discussions. Ian, I think you should get back to
0: bed, my friend. Thanks, mate. I might go and watch Altered Carbon.
1: Oh, I wouldn't bother, mate. It's overrated. You
0: see, this is the thing. Everyone's It's so controversial because all the critics hated it. But people I've spoken to um, playing, um, you know, I played Destiny with some people, some uh, friends of uh, Marta, um, and uh, they're all like, oh, it's really good, it's really good. So I think the, the, the actual personage... Reviews of uh, Altered Carbon tend to be different to the critical one, but you've watched it, have you? Yeah, I watched the
1: first episode, and I I just didn't really enjoy it. But I, it could just not be my sort of thing. You know, it's, oh, it's quite it's, dark,
0: and yeah, I quite uh, like that kind of thing and thing. Yeah, yeah, you, you might you might like. I it like more. I like the idea of it. Oh, uh, Steven suggesting Santa Clarita die—that's brilliant. That show, one of my favourite. Have you watched that? No. Oh, you should.
1: No, let's leave it there, shall we? Thanks, everyone. See you next week.